Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, thanks for listening today. I'm so excited that you're here joining us on this Halloween, October 31st. Um, This Halloween festival that we have come to love and celebrate is actually based on the ancient Celtic festival of Sahween, where people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. And it's believed to be a very special time of the year where the veil between the worlds is thinning and spirits are more easily uh, accessible at this time of the year. And there can be more communication between this world and the world beyond. And so this is where we get this tradition um, of Halloween. And maybe you can even feel like the closeness of your relatives or ancestors near you on this day. It's nice to kind of take some time to think about the people who have passed on and uh, maybe send a little message. And I can't think of a better person to have on our show today than Emma O'Neill, who's a dear friend of mine. She is a fellow Canadian, but she was born in Ireland. So she has a direct connection to these ancient Celtic roots. And she's a bit of a witchy woman herself, using her sort of powers of sight and uh, intuition to make very unique and custom designed malas and bracelets for people who order through her. She's also an Ashtanga yoga teacher, of course. Um, And I've known her for many years, since 2004. We met in Mysore, India. And I've had the honor of teaching at her yoga school in Toronto, um, Mysore, Toronto, a couple of times for a couple of different workshops and a Mysore week. And so we've spent a lot of time together. And I'm just so excited to introduce you here to her. She has a beautiful voice, which you will... uh, enjoy listening to because she is also a voice actor and has been an actress all her life. She's just a pleasure to be around. She has an incredibly uh, vibrant energy and you're going to love listening to her stories and her take on life here in this episode. So I hope that uh, you enjoy going deep with Emma as we talk about some really interesting conversations, not just about the Ashtanga yoga scene here in Canada, but also in Taiwan, where she was teaching with Russell back uh, in the maybe early 2000s. And also, we're going to talk about her own journey of spiritual development and practice and identity and what it means to identify with something and how that evolves and changes over the years. So I think you're going to just love this episode with Emma O'Neill. I'm so grateful she came on to sit and connect with us. And without further ado, I will uh, let you dive right in. The following program contains coarse language and content that some listeners may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. 
Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm here with Russell. This is a very special Canadian episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. <laughs> yes, because we are here with the ever lovely Emma O'Neill. Hi, Emma. Hello. Oh, we love hearing your voice. It's uh, lovely to see both of you for half a second and to hear both of you. So <laughs> it's been a while. I know. I know. It's been a while. Do you think the last time that we actually saw each other was was in Taiwan like 15 years ago? Or was <laughs> was it, it have we seen ago? each other? But I don't we know seen if each other we've since? seen each other since. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe? I, no. Maybe? I don't know. On the camera, know. you looked exactly the same. Like you hadn't aged a day, but you had tattoos all over your hands. That was new. Yeah, for me. that's new. Yeah. <laughs> since okay. I saw you last, probably. Yeah. But I saw you just, I think, maybe three years ago, four, yes. maybe. I don't know. Did, was, Time's was the so last weird. time that we saw each other, was that in New York or was that here? No, the last it workshop? was here for the last workshop. Yeah. Here as in Toronto. Yes. Yes. That is <laughs> where, where I am. You yes. were in Toronto today. We're, yeah. um, we're in the, um, the cow town of Canada and Calgary. In Calgary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I I had a little um, intro uh, for for Emma that you practiced uh, with a pencil in I your did. mouth. I did. I did practice the pencil in my mouth. And, it's, away. <laughs> and I just in case our listeners don't know you, I know that that Harmony likes to do an introduction, but I'm just gonna, no. Don't do it with the pencil no, in your mouth. No, I was do a proper do one. I was going to do it with no. the pencil in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> Level two, authorized Ashtanga yoga teacher, celebrated voiceover talent. The Toronto Star describes the vivacious Emma O'Neill as having a gift for navigating through corny yoga cliches. <laughs> We're personally grateful to Emma for transforming my grandmother, uh, her my grandmother's costume pearls into Harmony's gorgeous wedding mala. And I want to personally thank you for that. I'm not sure I ever, yeah. ever have. And bracelet. Too. And bracelet yeah. as well. I think we got a little bit extra on that. Yeah. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for, for being all these things. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And you're yeah. very welcome about the mala. It was my pleasure to make it. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was. I, um, you know, for half a second, I thought they were probably, I thought they were real pearls. I know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I think Emma wrote, didn't you text like, me? And you're like, uh, yes, no, that you know. FYI. <laughs> these just are making very sure fake. that you know yeah. that these are not real. <laughs> it was really cool, though. I didn't know that they existed. Uh, but, you know, Harmony might be the only, the only person in the world that legitimately gets along with my mother. Cool. And... <laughs> And they just really like each other. And it's what was really surprising the first time that I saw it. I was like, wow, they actually are kind of getting along. That's weird. And um, mom pulled out of a dresser from like, I had to have been 47, 48 years ago. She pulled these, my grandmother's pearl necklace out of a, out of a drawer. I didn't, I didn't know it existed. And she gave it to Harmony. And what happened, Harmony? You sent it to to Emma. Yeah, to uh, with some other beads, and we sent the pearls and another mala that had some other beads on it. I think, and then mm -hmm. 
Emma, you added some other beautiful blue beads, some turquoise yeah. in there and some, yeah, and made a, a beautiful mala that I love and wear still. My wedding mala. It yeah. matched your dress. It did perfectly, which was so weird because you hadn't even seen the dress when you made the mala. Yeah. And you just picked all the beads out perfectly. It yes. was like, yeah, I was so amazed. Well, do you do you have a, a process or a form that you follow? How do you go about making a mala? A lot of it's by feel, really. Um, usually, most of the malas that I make, I'd say 98.72% of the malas that I, I make are custom. Like, I do have some um, consignment shops around the city and, and different places, yoga studios, etc. Um, so that I have just kind of stock there but most of the stuff that I make and I prefer to make are custom so people will co contact me and say I'm looking for something that will help you know heal my heart after a bad breakup or help me to focus on my career or help me to change my path in life um, and you know it's a lot of it's kind of witchy you know so it's <laughs> I, it just it's things come to me while I'm talking, mm -hmm. I try to have phone conversations with clients. Um, so it's not all on email or all on text or all on, um, you know, fill out this form and tell me what you want. It's more about, you know, tell me what your favorite colors are. Tell me things that you don't like. Uh, what is it that exactly you're focusing on? And I mean, you're both yoga teachers, you know, people tend to, when you give them a platform, they tend to, to really share. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it all starts. And it comes together from there. So I'll present, okay, I, I'm feeling this. I feel like this would be helpful for you in this combination. What do you think? And rarely will someone come back saying, saying no, I don't like that. They're like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So mm, Beautiful. Yeah. And do you, do you, like, take the stone properties into consideration? Oh, absolutely. Well? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Incredible. So it sounds like a very in, intuitive process. Are you are you Wiccan as as well as being witchy? Is it is it is it formal? No, it's not formal. It's just I'm Irish. It's a you know it's, mm. I come from a long pagan line, um, so I just think that it's that connection with the earth mm -hmm. through my heritage that it's it's just something that's always. I've allowed myself to pay attention to listen to the voices in your head. Um, no. you know, <laughs> that kind of right. thing. <laughs> I, I, cause I, I had the opportunity to, to stay with a Wiccan for a couple of weeks. Um, once I was just in her home and, and it was, it was beautiful. It was very much like, um, she listened to things and she listened to, to if a thing had substance, if it spoke or not. Mm. And, and she said, yeah, some things, speak to you. And I remember I was walking home one day and um, I picked up this little twig and uh, this lady had uh, recently broken her femur. And I just looked down on the ground and I saw this little twig and it was in the shape of a femur bone. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I brought it home and I gave her this twig and she looked at it and she said, yeah, there's something there. There's something in this thing. There's something mm -hmm. to it. You can feel it. And it's mm -hmm. It, it just what you were talking about just now reminded me of, of that, like of going on this, like these deep, deep feelings. And I, I just wonder, you know, what sort of led you 
to to get into this kind of thing? Like, were, were you often sensitive to material, to the way things felt, the way to you know? Were you were you always a precog? Like, <laughs> how did it how did it come about for you to get into this? Y- yes, um, mm. yes. There you go. Now, when when I was a teenager, um, I you know I lived in. Uh, living in Toronto, but went to school in the beach. And in the beach, there was a crystal store. And I was always drawn to this particular store and spent hours and hours just with the crystals hanging out. And now it's like I say that the stones talk to me. They mm-hmm. it's like, you need me. This particular person needs this to be used. Um, and then I had a conversation with my mother probably when I was 18 or 19. And we had a really volatile relationship until I was 40, really. <laughs> Um, let's be and, you're, and, you're, and you're 39 now. I'm 39 now. So almost out of that phase, I predict. Um, uh, but I talked to her about, you know, uh, you know, other sites and, and, and paganism or, you know, being Irish, which is the, the, the love of the land. Like, where do we come from? And she shared with me stories that I had never heard before of her, having, you know, what they call the site. Um, oh. And usually she got it from handshakes. What so she'd that? shake oh, wow. someone's hand and she'd get a flash of their future. Wow. That's it. That's Bruce Willis in the movie Unbreakable. I saw that. I saw that <laughs> I think movie. They actually interviewed my mother for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's she, amazing. Have you, ever, have you ever had that yourself where you've shaken someone's hand like, like me, for example? When you shook my hand and you thought, this oh, guy has like a life of pain. The whole thing. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You saw it. Yeah. Okay. That explains yeah. a lot of our relationship, honestly, that you knew that about me, but didn't want to say anything. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. It had to be a surprise. <laughs> oh, no, I think I... now it's just I pay I pay more attention. It's like what you were saying about your friend mm-hmm. who's Wiccan. Like I don't I don't practice any formal like I don't formally practice any religion. Um but I I pay more attention and now things that kind of, you know, um, a thought that comes into my head or a vision that comes into my head or an idea that comes into my head, I, I used to discredit it. I, I would push it away as fancy. Like it's just imagination. It's, you know, it's because I was always told I had a wicked imagination. Um, whereas now I'm like, wait a second, think about that. Mm-hmm. Where would that have come from? Why is this here? Why is this presenting itself? Is it just an idea or is, are you receiving a message? And a lot of times it's, you know, when they talk about your gut instincts, like our, our gut is more intuitive than anything else. Um, so when I get kind of those those tinglies of something's going to happen and it isn't necessarily a good thing, I really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel like, um, oh, this is a stupid analogy. I'm sorry. But when when. I'm getting gearing up like it's I'm gearing up for football season right now and I'm gearing up for a game. I feel like I can see all the signs of the loss coming. I see it everywhere. I see it in all things. Like it's just, we're just not, this is not a flow. There's no flow here. Everything is out of sync and nothing is going to make this right. 
and I can I can feel like it's coming. Yeah, but like if you're emotionally attached to it, like you are with the football, tremendously, then <laughs> that can color your feelings. It puts you not in like the state of the observer. It puts you in a very subjective place no but i feel the winds too i feel like everything <laughs> is working everything is in the dow like within the first 60 seconds of the game you can feel like this is all in the right place yeah i think emma's talking about something a little <clears throat> a little deeper than that i don't know if you can go deeper than that of whether something's can... going to be good or bad i think you can <laughs> um, i don't know we, Harmony and I have experimented with fighting more on the show recently. So Keeping it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> um, did, so you fought a lot with your mom. What did you guys fight about? Oh, my God, everything. It didn't matter what it was. I remember at one point I was living in Australia, and I you know, called her because that's what you do sometimes when you're related. And <laughs> she had had a dinner party the night before that apparently somehow I had ruined. I was like, that is skill. That is still <laughs> that I am living in Tomorrowland, and yeah. I somehow managed to ruin your dinner yesterday that I had no idea that you were. You oh. ruined my dinner. Oh, no. Just shit like that. She's a bit dramatic. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. the kind of thing that your mom would do, Harmony. She lives down in Florida, though, or something, doesn't she now? No, she my mother is a, she, she's a snowbird, so she's, she's back oh, in Florida. Currently, okay. she's in Toronto. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Was it just the two of you growing up? No, I'm the bitter middle child. Yeah. So there is, there is, two, there's two, there's two, there's one on each side of you. Yeah. And there's a mom, and then there's a dad. Yeah. Um. And what was that dynamic like for you growing up? Like, were were you, you were in conflict a lot with your mom, but were there other people in the family that you were in sync with? My dad. Yeah. My dad and I got got on very well. Um. He is no longer here. He has passed. Oh. Um, but we got along very, very well. He was an amazing human. My mother's an amazing human. She is. I mean, it was just, we just butt heads. It was just, that was the way that we were. And my Mm -hmm. older sister, (laughs) my older sister was the shit disturber that got away with murder. And my younger sister (laughs) was the baby. So she got away with murder. So someone had to be blamed. Oh, look. (laughs) (laughs) Emma's caught out. (laughs) Yeah. They so, do say some, that like birthplace makes a big difference on your personality. Yeah. Yes. I had heard that was recently debunked. I don't know. I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> I would fight them tooth and nail on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're an oldest child, aren't you, Harm? Yes. yes. This I know this is your podcast, but you never talk about yourself. Do you want to talk about? being an older older child well i think the older kids have to you have to make you have to make the the path so you end up doing naughty things a lot of the time because and also the parents are fresh so they they (laughs) fight against it more you know Mm -hmm. by the time the younger one comes they're exhausted so they just kind of let whatever go on go on that's my understanding of how it goes (laughs) I mean, I, I'd have to agree. My, my, I feel like you and your brother and I have a lot in common. And actually, a lot of people say that we look just alike, which is weird. Um, <laughs> it's a bit creepy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we're both, you know, fairly like laid back and kind of just kind of getting on with life in a, in a particular kind of way. Or wait, you're going to disagree with that? No, I, I mean, he's more laid back than you are. You think so? Yeah, you're okay. a little anal. Oh. 
No, I just like things a certain way. That's different. <laughs> I don't know. Is that different, Emma? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get involved in this. Right <laughs> um, um, what, what, tell us about your dad. What did you, the two of you have in common? Like what, what did he do? Is he punk? Is he, was he, uh, was he a voiceover talent himself? He was not. My father was an architect, um, oh. but he was an artist. Um, so when he was young, he rode motorcycles. He was always, you know, protesting something, handcuffing himself to a building, um, to, <laughs> wow. you know, well, there was a lot of buildings in Ireland that they were in Dublin in particular, that they were threatening to knock down, like for something oh, modern. He was Irish. And he was like, absolutely not. You are not knocking this down and I will show you what you can do instead of knocking it down. These are the blueprints. I've, I've redesigned this thing wow. while he was still in school. So, um, wow. yeah. he's not from Toronto. He's not, no, no, he's uh, in Dublin. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> and did he meet your mother there in Dublin he or did. in Toronto? No, no, we we were all born in Ireland. Well, my older Fuck sister was born off, in England. really? Yes. Pardon my language. People have complained. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep my mouth in check. <laughs> I swear like a trucker in general. Uh, they mm. met in Ireland. They met when they were kids. They met when my dad was 13 and my mom was 12 or my dad was 14. My mom was 13. They, wow. they met really, really illegal. young. Yeah. And he fell in love with her instantly. And she just thought that he was a pain in the butt. And um, <laughs> so she left home when she was 16. I think she moved to Spain. Oh, and, wow. And um, so he was from, you know, the right side of the in in the section of Dublin they they were from it was from the right side of the park, so he was from mm. Clintarf, which is kind of a you know up in you know very very posh neighborhood, and she was from Rihini, and Rihini was a little bit lower class, um, <laughs> and so his parents were quite shocked that he would have to have would want to have anything to do with somebody from Rihini, and my mother, you know, she was my mother's just she's mad she's mad as a brush. She's always, she's full of life. She's, I mean, she's almost 74. She just finished cutting my sister's hair and she's planning a road trip. Like, you know, wow. nothing gets this woman down. Um, wow. You know, it's like, so it's like now that we, you know, in a year when I turn 40, we'll get along. It's, I, I have a lot more appreciation for her energy and her spunk and her, her personality. Yeah. Um, wow. And she was engaged twice before she finally gave in and, and agreed to marry my father. Wow. <laughs> and they were the best of friends. Like they just, they were, that's how they ended up getting married because she was like, he was my best friend. And, it, you know, you kind of look at it like mm -hmm. everything else will eventually fade. But if you don't like who the person is at mm -hmm. their core, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. That's beautiful. Good advice for uh, all the single listeners out there. Now, yeah, I, I'm not very familiar with Canada, but is Spain a, a like a neighborhood of Toronto, or is Toronto no. like a city in Spain? Spain's a country in Europe. Europe. <laughs> yeah. okay. So where is that then? Europe. Yeah. <laughs> how, wait, wait! I'm lost here. You really are lost. Wait, no, how did you <laughs> hop, skip, and a jump from that one? <laughs> so when did they? When did they come to Canada? We came to Canada when I was eight, or oh, just wow. turning eight. Um, wow! Yeah, I just turned eight when we came over, and yeah, my older sister was born in London, 
and the rest of us were born in Ireland. Lucy, mm -hmm. my younger sister, and myself. I was born in Dublin. Lucy was born in the country. And um, yeah, we came over when I was eight and settled. It was I, apparently so. The story goes: we it was we were given the option of moving to California or Toronto, and somehow we ended up in Toronto. I'm like, I don't. Ha <laughs> did you Oof. ask the children? Like, and which ones did you ask? Like, and Oof. how? What? Like, yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they liked winter. <laughs> They've never been to bloody winter. <laughs> it's it's so. Oh, I mean, wow. there's. Is yeah. there a big is there a big Irish population like it is in Chicago and Boston? I mean, is is there really like a like a segment like a, a quarter of the city that go, that goes Irish? No, no, no. Oh, wow. It was that um, my dad had an uncle who lived here. Mm. Right. So when we first arrived, we stayed with Maddie and Maudie. That's their house that I just nice. actually went and I, I drove past it the other day. It was like, holy crap, it's still standing and it hasn't changed. Somehow <laughs> I ended up in that neighborhood. It was so weird. But, yeah. Oh. That's oh. neat. Yeah. So was it difficult for you transitioning into Canadian life or was it kind of the same? Were you the only yeah. redhead? <laughs> <laughs> no, at that point I was still blonde. Um, oh, so my mother used to bleach my hair with lemons. Um, really? Yeah. No, it was it was actually quite difficult. Kids are, you know, kids wait, are psychotic. Kids are mean. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm sorry. Are are you redheaded and you were bleached blonde with lemons? No, I am. <laughs> I guess now I would be considered somewhere in the redhead Aubrey. realm of things, yeah. um, and that's just with age, because <laughs> you know, because okay. old. So okay. I've gone rusty. Okay. Um, All right. I understand. Okay. So you, you, but you were a towhead, and your mother pushed that along with lemon juice. Yeah. Okay. A hairdresser. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that was possible, but all right. Okay. So the other children were hell in Canada. They were quite well. It's like you arrive from Ireland. Um, you arrive from anywhere that you have an accent, and yeah. it was. So you're made fun of immediately because we had an accent um, and we weren't eating, you know, Canadian foods like we weren't arriving with Wonder Bread and peanut butter and jelly for lunch. It was <laughs> like we were arriving with like, you know, homemade bread with, you know, actual food on it. Um, right. So we were, <laughs> we were made fun of for what, for what we ate and how we spoke and, and the words that we used. Um, and living with Maddie and Maudie, they had their son's name was Dennis and he was a teenager. He was like 17 or 18 when mm -hmm. we arrived. And we spent a lot of time with him solely because it was the closest person in age. So when we'd get home from school after being bullied, we'd hang out with Dennis. It was like, you know, ro long haired rocker with his F-150. And <laughs> wow. he kind of like we just kept talking with him. So he would like, no, don't say that this, say that. And oh. so he kind of taught us how to speak Canadian. Right. Um, yeah. But the one thing that we were never allowed to say was A. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if we said A, my it. mother said B. Uh, <laughs> every time. And to this day, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't pick that one out. No, no, no. I feel like it was a, there was sort of a phase also at one point where it was like really integrated into the Canadian vernacular. Well, that was Bill, I mean, I mean Bob and Doug McKenzie. Like hey? he, they pushed it, eh? <laughs> they yeah. pushed it, eh? Oh, hoser, eh? <laughs> no one says hoser anymore, by the way, for you listeners at home. 
but that was that was they were massive. I mean, they were so massive that they were super yeah. popular even in like southern Illinois, where you know where we were growing up. I think they were more popular there, even. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like a satire of the Canadian people. Yeah. At at this point, you're in. You said there was a beach in Toronto, or is that a shop called a beach? It's an area. So it's, yeah, there's a very, very large expanse of sand um, along Lake Ontario and the neighborhood in Toronto that runs along that is called the beach. Okay. Okay. And so you're, you're growing up there and, and um, is that like the, the very first thing that's happened to you that you started becoming interested in crystals or was there something else going on for you? What, what were you, what were you like there as a 14, 15, 16 year old? What were you into? I don't, I've always been, I'm an introvert. I'm not, um, I've never been big into crowds or I've, you know, the idea of a party kind of makes my skin crawl. Um, still, <laughs> it's not just a COVID thing. Um, <laughs> um, so I've always been kind of, you know, with, with people that I know, I'm, I'm loud and vivacious or, and yeah. I'm, if I'm with one or two people, I can you know, kind of let my guard down and, and be myself. But in larger groups, I've always been uh, quite quiet. So that was kind of probably how I would end up at these places because I wanted to learn how to make jewelry it was something that I was into. But I was also studying Wicca at that time. Oh so it was goodness. one of those that I had kind of tripped across a book um, mm -hmm. about Wicca. And I was like, huh, this is really interesting. And which then led to crystals and spells and all of this stuff. So that's what kind of brought me into that shop. Wow. So to learn more. Yeah. That's super fascinating. Cause this is a question that I ask a lot of, a lot of guests, like, is there a point where you could say, ah, that this makes sense. This is why this kid, Emma is now doing yoga and is now in this life making malas. There's a, there's a through line. You can see the moment and, it sounds like this is that was it for you. Like this is the start of your spiritual uh, mm -hmm. journey. I think it was also because I was raised an Irish Catholic, and um, I had a very when I was young. I was like, if you couldn't find me, I was in the church. <gasps> and especially in Ireland, the way that that neighborhoods are built, they're built around a church. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's the church and the shops and the houses. Yeah. And the pub, yeah. of course, the pub is beside yeah. the church. Um, <laughs> So if you can't find your husband, he's at the pub. If you yeah. can't find your children, they're yeah, either at the church. shops or at the church. Um, and <laughs> so I was always at the church. And then after we moved to Canada and going into high school is when I kind of had a, you know, that kind of moment of clarity for me of like, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. This is this is not something that that makes my, my it doesn't light my soul on fire. This This doesn't explain enough. And I'm, I've always been very curious. I've always asked a lot of questions. Um, so as a young teen, to be just, you know, this is the way it is. It's like, well, but why? Right. But why yeah. is that the answer? Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to look outside of um, that faith and discovered that there were so many other options. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I also had a very similar well, similar experience. It was, I kind of went through these interesting phases where like for maybe a year or two, I'd be really into Christianity and then I'd like go totally away from it. And then mm -hmm. I was into like native 
uh, you know, spiritual practices like Native American sort of, um, you know, totems and uh, the crystals as well and and sort of like these witchy type practices. And then I'd come back and like then be into Christianity again and then go away and, you know, and then I started getting into Buddhism and mm-hmm. and so... Yeah, it was a it was sort of a real spiritual kind of seeking, but always a draw to something beyond the material world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trying to like figure out what what felt right, what really fit, what really resonated with my soul. Yeah, like in high school I was really into um Egyptian mythology and Roman mm. and Greek mythology. With like those I was like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense because they're stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. even if it's like, you know, Zeus standing on the mountain with, you know, like, and he has a splitting headache because he was hit with a lightning. It's, <laughs> it, it just made more sense. Like, even though it was fantastical, it was like, but at least this is, there's, there's more of an explanation. Like anybody could understand this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to follow a path or follow yeah. the rules to understand the stories. Yeah. They're yeah, just the- stories. Yeah, the like real um, idea of metaphor, right? And yeah. I think that's where a lot of the um, feeling of like Christianity is not fitting properly for people that are a bit more, you know, exploratory or curious or questioning, mm-hmm. um, you know, is is the sort of, I don't know, in, incentive maybe or the sort of, forceful kind of um, thought that like it it's 100% true and that it can't be interpreted or it can't be metaphorical or it can't be pointing to something beyond what the words are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so. interesting. I, I also, I think we all three of us share this kind of um, early interest in the church. I, I, I think I found myself there because I was a latchkey kid and I was hungry and I, I, I don't know how this happened, but I met some ladies on the street and they brought me into the church to feed me, which oh. is like, it's so Christian yeah. and like, so also how, um, you, you hook, um, you hook young kids into a cult. <laughs> you do exactly, you offer them, you know, you know, beautiful girls and food and then like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll come along for this. And I, I just remember being really held there and really, really loving like this thing that was completely absent in my life, which was community. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm, I, I actually have people to talk to now where I was completely alone before. And, um, you know, start reading the Bible. But the Bible that I'd like to read, like what you were saying, Emma, I, I liked reading the Old Testament because it was mm-hmm. full of stories. And, you know, I, you'd read about Samson. And I, I, I forgive me, I don't remember the, the book, the Bible that Samson comes in now. Um, I've been reading about Samson and it just read like a comic book to me, yeah. you know, and I, I think there's an argument to be made that the one stems from the other, you know, <laughs> um, but so I remember, I remember sitting there one, at one day, um, in a Bible camp and I'd gone to a lot of Bible camps growing up and, and then, um, the lady of the church came up to me and she just sort of took the book from my hand, um, turned the pages to the New Testament and gave it back to me. I said, you should start there. And I thought, oh, um, you know, you know what? Maybe I'm not 
maybe this place isn't for me then. Right. And I never went back at that point. And I went to go, you know, explore other things. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, I, but it's I, true. It's like as we're all talking, I'm just kind of thinking because it's like then there's the yoga and then there's the, the like it's so much of it's the 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 core of it is community. Yeah. Yeah. And and also I think uh a desire to connect to something beyond or mm-hmm. to have some sort of feeling of something beyond just this material realm that's like, you know, what's the point of life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a real seeking for, mm-hmm. for understanding or experiential understanding. Well, why aren't you now like a, a full Wiccan? How could you, how did you come to be a yoga teacher? How did that? What's that story for you? Hmm. Um, yoga. Okay, so I was <laughs> uh, I was an actor my entire life. So I was you know born and placed on stage. And (laughs) kind of really how it happened. Um, And so and then we moved to Canada and I continued acting. I was in drama classes and drama programs. And then I applied to theater schools and um, was accepted at uh, into York York University's theater program. And then the second year was in Canada. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. It's so confusing, this geography Mm. thing. Um, (laughs) Then in my second year, I was accepted into the the Academy program for acting. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of third year, I wanted to blow the program up. Um, oh no! They were mean, horrible humans. Like I, <laughs> oh dear! I would, you had a, you had three assessments a year, and I started going to my assessments uh, assessments with a box of Kleenex because oh. I knew they were just going to tell me how horrible I was, and I'm just so disappointed, you know, <laughs> so disappointed. Um, and the one professor that I got along with because we argued all the time, but in a way that I would, you know, I was like, he'd say, well, this is the way this thing is. I'm like, absolutely not. That's not what you said. Blah, 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 blah. And he was the voice teacher, <laughs> David Smuckler. Please leave oh. a message at the beep tone. Um, he, <laughs> he was, he was wonderful. I loved, loved, loved David. And I learned a ton from him. And I also, he, he taught, um, part of the course was SNAN, speaking North American naturally. Um, oh. which is why I don't have a Canadian accent per se. But like Tom Brokaw, like that. You know, kind I don't of say about and cute and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's all about, you know, depends depends on who I'm speaking for. But mm-hmm. I I don't use Canadianisms generally. And it was one of these that I I I kind of fell in love with the study of linguistics because mm. of David. Mm-hmm. Um but beyond that, I wanted nothing to do with these people or this program any longer. So I bowed out at the end of third year after they told me I had gotten all the leads. I was like, for the next year. I was like, oh, well, bye. Oh. Oh. And oh. I continue. I had been studying kinesiology as well um, because, you know, acting and science. Hi. Yeah. Obviously, they go <laughs> hand in hand and so close together. And uh, so I just finished my degree by studying Kinesis. And mm-hmm. then I was going through a bit of a rough time emotionally, not like kind of not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up and not hanging out with the best crowd, mm-hmm. let's say. And I decided I was going to go on a trip and I went to Ireland. Mm. And I was going to go for the summer 
Um, and so when I arrived, I booked a trip to visit the kind of the four corners of Ireland. Because when, you know, when you're from somewhere, you don't ever visit it. You don't, <laughs> mm. you're yeah. not a tourist in your own kind of place. And I was like, I've never actually seen Ireland outside of Dublin and my family and, um, you know, going to Glendalough, like the touristy places. So mm -hmm. I booked this trip and then I showed up the morning that the bus was supposed to leave and there was a guy standing there with a wad of cash and he was like, yeah, the tour's been canceled. So there's your money. Okay, bye. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay. It's weird. Wow. So I ended up going and meeting a friend for a drink that turned into like, you know, 90 because you're in Dublin and you don't know what time it is during the summer because it doesn't get dark until almost 11 o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> um, and I ended up with a job at a bar. And oh. so I decided I was going to stay for a little while. And then I was looking for, you know, some sort of fitness. Like I was like, I need to go to the gym or I need to go to a fitness class or something. And I had done a little bit of yoga when I was still living in Toronto. And I saw a sign for a yoga class, you know, down the road from where I was living. So I decided to go. And it was an Iyengar class. Mm -hmm. And I really, really enjoyed the teacher. She was really, she was very, very fun and very uh inclusive and very welcoming. She was also heavily pregnant. Um, wow. And so when she was going on mat leave, she recommended that we all go to her friend Orla's class, except Orla was teaching Ashtanga. And I did oh. not know what I walked into. I basically That's walked in, different. I was put through a washing machine and thrown back out the door. <laughs> and I was like iridescent red and my hair was everywhere. And I was just like, what the actual was <laughs> Did you what? like it though? I Did loved you... it. Yeah. I lo like from the second I was, I was like, I don't even know what just happened. And then I couldn't walk for three days. And because like, you know, places that I didn't know I had muscles were sore. Yeah. And I was like, yes, let's do this thing. And I was hooked. Nice. I used to call that when we'd have the, uh, when I used to teach lead classes, you know, 20 years ago in the yoga studios when yoga was not very common and you get the people like who come into the class and it's a lead primary series class. And you ask, you know, who's new? Have you ever done any yoga before? And I always say, well, this is going to be a little bit of a baptism by fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just, sure is. Just yeah. do do what you can and try and hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to stop at any time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It was a full primary class. And uh, yeah. So you learned Ashtanga it's yoga amazing, in, yeah. in Ireland. That's where you started. Yes. And it went from there. So it, did you come back home and do it? Did you, did you, you mentioned Australia as well. I thought that you had been in Hawaii for some time with Nancy Gilgoff. Like could, what happened then? So basically when, you know, the, the tour bus um, was canceled, <laughs> I, instead of staying in Ireland for three months, which was the original plan, I ended up staying for four and a half years. I opened a business. I, wow. you know, oh. did a two year IAR teacher training. I like did all of this stuff and um, then went through a messy breakup and decided I was going to leave. And it was time for me to yeah, like my, my time in Ireland was now done. I'd done, you know, like I was grateful for it, but it was time for me to go. And I, you know, and it was like it was still yoga at that point was still very much just something that I did because it was fun and challenging. And I liked the people that I practiced with in the classes. Um, and I was teaching it. I had started teaching it. And but was that your business? No, you I done? was a body piercer. Oh, amazing. And now, yeah, all right. Okay. So I was a body piercer. I, so that, I, you I just picked had that the, up along the yeah, way. Yeah, I had a memory of you body piercing people in my sore just now. Yeah. 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 I totally forgot mm. about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I became the known as, as the piercer. So every time I would arrive in, they were like, oh, she's here. Okay, book in with her instead of going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember <laughs> that now. I totally forgot about that. Did you yeah. have a shop or that was just like you and your bag and you could just do it anywhere? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I booked a ticket, um, a two-year kind of tour of, of the world, but just a one-way that I was like, okay, I'm going to go to India and check out this this place for for whatever reason. I had no idea that it was like, you know, Mother India was like, you need to come here now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was just, I was going to go to India. And from India, I was going to go to Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam and Bali and Australia. And I was going to hang out in Australia for a little while. And then I had a ticket to New Zealand. And while I was like, so wow. it, I this is what happened. So it's like I landed in India and I traveled through the north and um, I ended up, you know, I traveled all the way down on the train and especially India in 2003, mm -hmm. 2002, um, you know, things were a little slower. Yes. And, <laughs> and there was no cell phones and barely that, any internet. <laughs> well, oh, God. <laughs> and then you'd cut, oh, yeah, you'd have to wait in line. And it was just terrible. And I landed in Goa and I'm a beach child. So I was like, oh, I have landed in heaven. This is amazing. Right. Right. And I was Look practicing. Look at all these naked Russian mobsters. It's perfect exactly. for me. They weren't there. Not, not they weren't the there yet. Like, not there yeah. yet. That was a few years later that they yeah, arrived. It's true. And um, I was practicing at Purple Valley when Purple Valley was just the practice center in, yeah. in Vagator. Yeah. Um, not do, do we, did we both know Julie Martin at that time? I yes, but you were t still teaching in Brighton. Like we had not met yet. Right. You were, you but were you not had, you not there. been born yet. And I was in her house over in, in the old country. Right. But she's from L.A. of all, mm. you know. Yeah. OK, I'm sorry. Yeah. Weird. So I practiced with Julie when she owned Purple Valley, mm -hmm. the Purple Valley Center, not the, the retreat center. Yeah. And I was and, in her apartment back home. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I practiced there and, um, you know, I'd heard of Mysore and I'd heard of Patabi Joyce and I'd heard of all of this stuff. And. Everybody in Go was like, absolutely, don't go. Don't be ridiculous. Why would you go there? Especially well, Julie was very was Julie very adamant. Like that was, was a waste of time. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of people. Yeah, and <laughs> none of them liked Mysore. Yeah. And there was um, a big Mysore Goa war, <laughs> kind of. I don't and know. <laughs> I had I had booked into uh, a workshop at the Purple Valley Retreat Center, mm -hmm. um, and didn't jive with the teacher at all. I was like, that's ah, not my jam. Can I get a refund? Mm. And they're like, well, we don't really do refunds, but we have another teacher coming in the following week. And we think that you will actually oh. really get along with her. Like, we think that, you, that this is kind of more more your jam. And I was like, oh, I have to stay in Goa for another week. How terrible. Yes, <laughs> I will do that. Okay, and I arrived to, so they had the dinner party the night before yeah. the classes yeah. started and we were all invited to the dinner party. And I met this crazy woman named Vanessa uh -huh. and immediately fell Vanessa, in love with her. Vanessa Gilgoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Met her yeah, that, first that's and a, was just like, that's you a are kismet. The two bonkers. of you, peas in a pod. Oh, she's 100%. so great. She's yeah. so great. We got in wow. so much trouble. Like, yeah. so much trouble from the word go. Like, I think we left that party, went to the beach, drank beer, got back on my scooter, rode back in the dark, <laughs> and I delivered her. And Nancy opened the door. I, I, I And I still didn't know who Nancy was. Like, you know, because I was just like, I was that fresh in the Ishtanga world. Right. And she opened the door to her room 
She had a beady cigarette in her hand. She had henna in her hair and a tissue paper wrapped behind her ear around her hairline around her other ear. And she looked at me and she said, where the fuck have you two been? <laughs> Full mom energy. You know, Amazing. And I was like, oh, yeah. you're my teacher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I found her. Okay. That's oh, fantastic. Awesome. It was, and I was just like, and, I, and I, I thanked Purple Valley. I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, this woman is completely my jam. Yeah. And Vanessa and I continued to get in trouble for the rest of the week. And um, yeah. <laughs> I learned a ton. And then it was the end, and I was supposed to be going off to somewhere. And Nancy was on her way to Mysore. So I was like, right. I'm going to ask you about Mysore and this this Batabi Joyce guy. You yeah. know, everyone mm-hmm. keeps telling me not to go. And she was yeah. like, really, Why? Because of this reason and this reason. She's like, hmm. She's like, and you said you were teaching. I said, yes. She's like, so you're teaching Ashtanga Yoga? I said, yes. She said, do you not think that you should meet the guy who gave you the opportunity to teach? <laughs> like, well, well, would you put it that way? Well, well I guess so. That's reasonable. Yeah. I just so in this in your timeline, in your Marvel Universe timeline, I just met Nancy the year before in New York, and I had a really uh really I was really taken with her, really adored everything about her. Uh I I just remember like she just full of these witchy things that she did oh, in yeah. class constantly. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, would yeah. point at someone's body walking by them. I remember she pointed at my back and my back had just developed a little bit of a spasm that morning and I wasn't I didn't think I was doing anything differently just going through my primary series and she just put her her finger on the hot spot and she said what's going on with that? I was like, yeah. what the fuck is, yeah. who are you? Yeah. I mean, it was wild what she, what she saw and read energetically in the room mm-hmm. just continuously. Yep. Yep. I call her Fancy Nancy. Fancy Nancy. <laughs> I was in Mysore at that time because I remember she arrived and it was like the first time she'd been back to Mysore. In, in 20 years. Yeah. yeah, 20 years or something. So it was like a really big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I arrived on the train after her. Yes. Which is when we must have her. met that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's like I went and found her at, oh, God, what's the breakfast cafe? That's changed hands nine Kevin, times. The Kevin. Is it the Kevin? Or... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, it's, I, got it's it. called I don't an, know what it was called then. Anoki now, I think. And Anoki, then it was, yeah, but it was maybe... called something before that. Yeah, before that, uh, Tony, Tony and Holly's. Tony and Holly's were the first. Yes. Yeah, and then they it sold there. it. Tony and Holly was the first. They were from England, and they sold it to somebody who sold it to Kevin or something. No, like I think that. they sold it to Kevin. I think they, they sold it to Kevin. Yeah, and then he sold it. And then it was a Nokia. And then he yeah, sold right. it to the Shakti people. It was called like Shakti House or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then they sold it to the other people, and now it's a Nokia. <laughs> Same menu, so don't worry, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the same food. It's, it's pancakes. <laughs> but I went and found her there, and I was like, okay, now what do I do? She's like, you go to the shala, and you go and meet Guruji. And so I went down. I was exhausted, and I'd just been, you know, told about Shiva, and he was driving me around in his rickshaw to find somewhere to stay and, right. you know, get my rupees and exchange, like, it, you know, get everything exchanged because she still had... um traveler's checks then right yeah, and yeah. 
<laughs> Guruji pulled up in, you know, some fancy car and got out with his, you know, on with his Armani sunglasses on. And he just yeah. looked at me and said, you pay? I said, no. He said, 4 p.m., you come, you pay. <laughs> that was my first meeting with, with the Tabby Joyce. And I was like, yeah, cool. Wow. Cool. <laughs> Really cool. <laughs> the original OG. Yeah, the oh, yeah, original totally. OG. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And you started practicing with him. How long and did I you stay? Practicing. I was there for three months. I how, stayed for three months. How did you get on with it? Like, do you what? What's 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 the story that you remember from that that first trip? Oh my God, so many. Well, first figuring out finally who Nancy Gilgoff was, because up until this point, she was just my mom. I didn't know she was like a celebrity yoga teacher. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, no no yeah. idea. You know, and then everyone was like, Nancy Gilgoff, Nancy Gilgoff. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And then we, finally figured out like that she's like the 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 girl, like, like the, the lady. woman queen. The lady. Yeah. Like the um, original. The first lady. The, wait, 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 oh. the, the, the doyen. Yeah. of a stronger culture. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> That's probably why we got along so well because I was not like, oh my God, Nancy. I was just like, hey, what's up, mom? Let's go. Yeah. Teach, teach me things. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, there was that. Um, it was a life-changing experience, really. Like it completely changed my uh, perspective of the practice. It changed the way that I approached the practice. It changed the way that I um, treated my body and mm. um, like how I ate, slept, breathe like it It literally changed everything yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i felt so like then that it became too. like this like this trip this two-year trip went from just being a you know let's figure out where i'm supposed to be in the world to it became much more of a spiritual journey and much more about now the places that i was going to it was like who's who's the teacher here who's the right. teacher here who's mm -hmm. the teacher here Oh, I see. So you, you got on the Ashtanga train. You got on the Ashtanga train. And if you were going to go someplace, there had to be a teacher there that you could investigate and explore. I totally understand what you mean. Like, I wasn't, I'm not going anywhere unless I know who I'm going to be practicing with. I mean, it was a ton of places. I it was like practicing by myself in the woods. But it was just if I, if there was an opportunity mm -hmm. to practice with someone who, you know, other people would recommend to yeah. practice with. Right. And I got lucky and I was like, I practiced with Rolf and I practiced with mm -hmm. David Williams and I practiced with um, David Swenson. Like I kind of practiced with all the originals, Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which was just, it was super cool to yeah. meet and practice with all of these people. Mm -hmm. This is, this is so fascinating because then I, I feel like we're like, we're like, we're about a year away from you teaching Ashtanga yoga full time in fucking Taiwan of all places. Yeah. yeah. And I, th I think there's got to be a story there of how you got from A to B or A to T. Well, Nancy actually had something to do with that. So I was, I ended, so I was on uh, New Zealand was kind of like my last destination. Now, now, now where do I go? And um, I had, Nancy is not one for emails. If you've ever had email <laughs> communication with Nancy, it, like if you ask her a question, she will answer it. If you ask her two, she will not answer at all. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, she, she's been invited on the podcast. Couple times. We're still waiting to hear back. Yeah. One question, <laughs> one question at a time. If you want to put her phone number in the show notes, that might be helpful. No problem. <laughs> um, I sent her, um, I think she, she actually emailed me asking me how I was doing. And I oh, said, nice. I don't know where I'm going to next. And she said, come to Maui. Oh, nice. So I did. Sweet. Yeah. That's a sweet place to practice. So That's I came... way the fuck out in the woods. 
Jesus. Oh yeah, she's uh, she's like mm. way like the, at the sixteen mile marker of uh, of the Hana Highway yeah. on Maui, and then it's up country uh, where right. the Shala is. Yeah, not paved. Is our no, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. And so I ended up living with her, um, nice. and practicing with her, and I stayed on the island for about six months. And oh. while I was there, the um, my friend Ma- uh, Merritt, who was also living with her. He I remember Merritt. Merritt James. Yes. Um, he decided that he wanted to go and teach overseas. So he had found out about all of these, you know, new kind of mega studios that were opening right. in Asia. Yeah. And he told Big me money. about Pure. Yeah. that, And they were hiring only foreign yoga teachers because yes. it wasn't like that popular in Asia yet. So yeah. only. They didn't, they didn't have the domestic. I remember. Market. I, yeah. They didn't have a domestic product to teach yeah. yeah i was in thailand thailand at that time and friends with stephen thomas who was one of the first mm-hmm. canadian yoga teachers to be in hong kong there teaching yeah at pure yeah pure. Yeah. At pure yeah so initially i applied to pure and it was mm-hmm. pure malaysia mm-hmm. right that was hiring and i got hired um but then malaysia was put on hold okay so i was talking with stephen thomas yeah. who was in hong kong <laughs> And he was like, well, why don't you just come over? I was like, come over to Hong Kong and just hang out. Are you a crazy person? Like, it's $50 for a coffee. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So I started kind of looking around like, you know, now now I've got it into my head that I want to go to Asia. Right. So are there other places? And another guy that I knew, another Stephen, in fact. Um, Stephen Lacker. Yes. <laughs> was, English was teaching bloke. at Space Yoga. Yeah. And so I applied at space and he recommended me and I got hired. Mm-hmm. So they brought me over to Taiwan, to Taipei. And I had never in my life ever anticipated going to Taiwan, never mind right. living in Taiwan. Right. And it was crazy. It was like it was it was like the celebrity yoga life. Like you were <laughs> completely taken care of and paid really well and you know your your face was on the side of, you know, buses and, and billboards. Was, right? It was and just... there were like little aunties who came in and cleaned the yoga mats after class. Yes. And then the aunties that give you a towel after class, so you can go take a shower. And we like had like it... all Aveda like you know, product in the bathroom, yeah. like oh, all of yeah. the, the students were like the wives of the CEOs of like Pepsi Cola and Mercedes Benz. Right. And like, very different from like Eddie Shala in New York. Very different. Yeah. Like you were getting gifts of like Gucci wallets and, and yeah. like Swarovski crystals if they yeah. liked you. Like it was and very. Like, <laughs> like tables that were wow. like made out of like, um, like fiberglass with lights underneath them with like, like pretty girls who were paid to stand. Yeah. Not do anything, mind you, just paid to stand there. Yeah. And like that was like this is a this was so so radically different. These mega studios so radically different from anything we could understand back in North America. And so like just sparkling clean and and gorgeous and like design like the feng shui of yeah. the building had been taken into consideration to right. where the like it was just, huh? It's yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. I, I remember I was in um I was in a bathtub in England and I um, I didn't have a whole lot to eat. So I had like a bag of rice and beans to eat per week. <laughs> and I got a call from uh, a friend of the show, Sharon Moon, who's been on the show. Yes. 
And oh my she, God, Sharon. Oh. And she, she called me up. She said, Russell, I'm saving money. I said, what? I've never saved money in my life. I'm saving money. I taught yoga to a person today who, where one of the walls in their home was in an aquarium. You should come here and teach yoga. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I'm down for that. I'm totally down for that. And I called up this guy at Space um, on, I think Sharon got us a phone call and I think he was, he was open for applications, right? So mm. uh, Matthew Allison, who I, I guess everyone called Masho Laban, which means <laughs> Matthew boss in Chinese. <laughs> And uh, Ma Matthew Boss was like the former um, first Caucasian CEO or, or VP at Sony. And his wife, Wendy, just happened to do yoga. And so they said, let's build a yoga studio that is jai fucking enormous. And, you know, we'll hire every yoga teacher that we can think of. And, and so then we met and that was like, there was like 30 of us Caucasians there teaching yoga. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was 25. There was still like a, a chunk of, a, yes, quite a few of us there, <laughs> quite a few. So but I think Gladys and Axel were there. I think Gladys might be the first Chinese. Yeah, she didn't start teaching until later though. But I, she was there when I, when I no, got she, there. No, it was her first teaching job was teaching my yeah. at space. And yeah. that was like probably 2006 maybe. That's, but she was, she was authorized and she was teaching, maybe not authorized, but she was teaching yeah, there. Yeah, she was authorized. She had just been authorized. So I was running the Mysore program. Then she got authorized. So they decided to have an authorized teacher running it, except she had never oh, taught. Right. And so that was a bit of a problem. Sharon told me about this. She said, this is a real problem, that there's this conflict at space. I said, like, okay. Yeah. Wow. So Stephen was teaching the Mysore program and then he left. Right. And I was put in as the Mysore teacher. Yeah. Um, and then I was replaced by Gladys while I was still teaching there. So then there was this whole kerfuffle with the students. And then you arrived and mm -hmm. Steve was teaching at Pure at that point. Yeah. Um, and then Steve decided he was going to leave Pure and told Stephen Thomas that I should replace him. So I was like, I just keep following you around and taking your <laughs> job. Yeah. Yeah. You're done with that? Okay, I'll take it. You're done That's with good. that one too? Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything bad about any any personalities or anything like that. Just that it's interesting to me, like how a person's consciousness can transform depending on, like, the city they're in or the the, you know, where they are. And and it's very different to be in Maui at Nancy's studio than it is to be at Eddie's and Guy's studio. I mean, in in New York studio, than it is to be in Taiwan and. I don't know what it was like for you, but I just felt like suddenly I was like, I was a very, it was a very competitive, very gossipy environment. And I was in the thick of it. Yeah. The, the, I found that the students, they tended to be fiercely loyal, like to a, to a fault mm -hmm. that it was like, wow, like this is, this is a teacher. It's, it's not, not your parent or you know, like, right. just, wow. just relax. So even if it was, you know, a voluntary, I'm going to step down from this position or I'm going to move on to a different company or I'm going to go, you know, and travel through the mm -hmm. Antarctic and somebody else <laughs> needs to teach. It was almost that the, 
stepping into somebody else's program was a bit of it. It was challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. But there was also, I mean, I stayed for four years. So obviously it wasn't terrible. You were in Taiwan for four years all told? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so four so years in total. three of it was at Pure then. Yeah. And you were there, I think, even when like Laruga went down south to Jai. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Taiwan's an amazing country. And yeah, it was, I learned a lot. And, but it was also, it was that like very celebrity yoga lifestyle. Like we were completely spoiled. Mm-hmm. It was like having, like all of a sudden I had a real job. It was yeah. like, like Sharon saying, like you saved money. It was like, I had a paid vacation. They paid my rent. Like yeah, I went amazing. to Mysore paid. What that's is right. happening? That's mm-hmm. right. I was being yeah. paid money to be in Mysore. Like it yeah. was very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ba- back anything. when yoga teachers were a limited commodity. That's right. <laughs> that's the thing is that yeah. we were precious. Yeah. yeah. Even... Now, now you can find a yoga teacher on every corner. Yeah. And, I, I, and we yeah. were part and parcel of that problem because we taught everybody yeah. in the teacher trainings yeah. that we were told to teach. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is that at a certain point you're teaching your competition. Yeah. And then they grow up. And, and that was something, that's why Guy in New York had me pay him. And that was unheard of at the time to be an apprentice and to be paid. At that time, it was cl- to pay cl- to be an apprentice. You, you paid mean, yeah. to be an apprentice. And normally people were, um, they, were they were like the apprentices at, at Eddie's place were all working for free or they were getting paid to do it. And I paid Guy to apprentice. And he said, look, I just want this relationship to be clean because you could you could move across the street and be in competition with me next year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was um, it was a it was it could only have happened at that time in history that you and I could be recruited to go out to the Pacific Rim and make a, a pile of money. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty wild. I remember too, and because um, I I was teaching in Thailand at the time, and uh, you know was hearing all these stories of everyone making all this money at Pure and how good the yoga teachers were treated there and and then over like it wasn't very long it was maybe like a four-year span it was probably the time that you were there emma when you decided to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the perks slowly kept yes. going one by one by one until yeah. it was just no longer a lucrative job anymore yeah like i was lucky i was kind of there in the height of <laughs> the um the spoiling of yeah. the, the western teachers yeah for mm-hmm. sure yeah. How else would you, if you were going to um, describe Taiwan to people back home, you know, how have you, how have you described it? What is it? What is it like for people, um, or what is it like if, for people who don't know the place? Taiwan's beautiful. Like it's, um, I always used to say, like I said earlier, like I never expected to be in Taiwan. The only thing I knew about Taiwan was made in Taiwan. Like I, I, I knew <laughs> yeah. nothing about Taiwan at all. Like Taipei is a vibrant, vibrant, bustling city. Um, you know, you can't swing a cat without hitting a Louis Vuitton. It's yeah. like, it's like all very, very high end shopping and, and superstores and all of this stuff. And then, but Taipei itself is kind of within a horseshoe of mountains. Um, so you could walk 20 minutes from, you know, Taipei 101, which is this massive shopping center with a tower and you're up in the hills going for a hike and it's beautiful. Or you get on your scooter and you drive for 30 minutes and you're at 
these amazing beaches. Um, it's got some of the best scuba in the world. If you go south on the island, it's got high-speed trains. It's it's like geographically, it is a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, culturally, again, it's beautiful. I learned a lot about Buddhism both from um, on both sides of the coin, like from um, Zen Buddhism and brain. Where's my Chan? Chan Buddhism. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And that was also where I started to really connect with the concept of mala, like Japa Mala, was because I'd call them the Buddhist supply stores. Um, (laughs) Because they were literally the Buddhist supply stores. But they were like usually three or four stories. And on the first floor, you'd find all of your, you know, your mala beads or your electronic counters or and your mini um, Buddha statues and the pouches to keep your beads in and, and candles mm-hmm. and incense. And then on the second floor, you'd have some art or some tankas. And by the third floor, you'd have these incredible carvings mm. of the Buddhas, the different Buddhas or amazing like, you know, t- tankas that were worth like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but that was somewhere that I that I spent a lot of time in, in between kind of teaching classes and wandering around, that I would go to these these stores. And it was also because they were really peaceful. Mm-hmm. They were really quiet. And Taipei is quite, it's a bustling city. It's a it's a scooter city, like a um, motorized scooter. So it's very, it can be quite loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like you found the quiet places. And then also within the insanity, there's all the temples. And so in the middle of the city, there's this massive temple with beautiful landscaped gardens um, Places that you can just go and sit and meditate. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, nice. yeah, wow. I want to. It's beautiful. I th- mm-hmm. I thought it was so culturally interesting, and I mean, I, I I'm a I, I'm kind of a natural gossip, so I fall prey to gossipy cultures, and I really you know I get wrapped up in it. <laughs> but it is an extraordinarily beautiful. Um, I I think if I could just tell the listeners, it, it was a it was um. It's kind of like a Polynesian island that was first colonized with the, the Japanese. And then um, uh, in the fall of communism, I mean, when in the fall of China after communism in 1953 and Mao took over, the president of China moved to Taiwan, uh, Chiang Kai-shek and his very glamorous and famous and corrupt uh, wife, uh, Madame Chiang Kai-shek. And so with him came a million Shanghai people and every, every national treasure that they could take with them from China, they brought to Taiwan. And like overnight, it became a, a mega city and uh, an extremely populated uh, piece of real estate that's still and in conflict wealthy. today between the United States and China. It's, it's an mm-hmm. island of contention. And I I just like to describe it as people to people as like look this is this is old China before communism like this is this is all that's left is this island and these people that um, basically these Shanghai people that that uh, colonized Taiwan it's um, I think it's a I think it's an incredibly fascinating and overlooked place. Oh, yeah, to be sure. and to visit and Hualien and those oh. the those falls the gorge it's it's like um, the um, the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls put together yeah an incredible place 
<laughs> so what made you move back to Canada out of this beautiful paradise? The perks were going away. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And love, love brought me back. Um, oh. That didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but, but um, yeah, that was kind of what brought me. And, that was, and I was quite lost for, for a long time. I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. So in I, Toronto. In Toronto, in, okay. yeah, in Canada. And it was, you'd been away for a while, right? I'd been away for so long. And when you come, I, Toronto's great, Canada's great. But you also see it's kind of, um, it's failings <laughs> when you've been outside. You know, yeah. when you've seen the way that other countries are run. And like even just as simple as traffic systems. Like Taipei has one of the best traffic systems. Like you don't ever get stuck. There's no road rage. There's no traffic. Right. Toronto is a clusterfuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. So I just kind of spent a lot of time like subbing out other people's Mysore programs and then going back to India and then coming back and subbing out somebody else's Mysore program and then going back to India. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was after I got uh, authorized level two that mm -hmm. Sherat was like, OK, you need to stop doing this. You, you need to open your own program. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. And he's like, no, really, you you really need to open your own program. And I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Fine, I will. <laughs> and so I came back from India and I went and found myself an apartment instead of living out of a bag on someone's couch right. and went and found a space to rent for a Mysore program mm -hmm. and kind of was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And it worked. <laughs> I was like, huh, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. I mean, because the competition is pretty um, at, at that time was really there was a lot Fierce. of Mysore programs. I mean, Paul Fierce. Rochelle was there, David and David and Ron Reed. Ron Reed and mm -hmm. It's a big city. Probably though. a few others that I'm not it's, aware of. It, it's, it's not like Dubuque, Iowa. I mean, it's a big city. Yeah, 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 it's true. And people don't like to be in their cars if avoidable. But still, it's that's great that that you were able to open up a MISO program and, and that it took off. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun seeing like Facebook memories of, you know, this is the first day that I had to ask someone. This actually today was a Facebook memory. Uh, this is the first time that I had to say, can we make room for one more mat? And then promptly Aww. bursting into tears. Oh, <laughs> It's so nice. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So we're when actually you... at that point. <laughs> Move. <When> you... <laughs> When you started your space, like your program and your space, was the space quite small? Was like, what What do you think led to your success? Because a lot of people try and start a Mysore program and it's not, you know, it doesn't grow and it doesn't really take off. And, you know, so what, what do you think you did right? I think that because I had been on the teaching circuit in Toronto at that point for a few years, like running hither, thither, thither and yon, like I literally taught in the four corners of Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, you know, I had, I had made contact with many students. Mm -hmm. um, and I also had been smart in my classes that I had a mailing list. So at the end of class, like, if you want to keep in touch with me, give me your email and I'll send out a, you know, so an email once a month. Smart. And I had, I had had a MISO program before, I think when I was um, level one, but I just, I didn't put like my, my, my heart wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really work. Mm -hmm. um, and this one, I just was like, in, if I'm going to, as I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. So instead of teaching my sore and teaching 18 to 23 
public classes, right. I gave up 12 or 13 of those classes. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you want to come and practice with me, this is where I'm practicing. This right. is where I'm teaching. This is where you can come. And they did. That's great. That's so, so smart. It's probably because of my yoga cliches. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't heard so many of those yet. Mm. You're saving them up, huh? I am. I am writing a book. Writing a book. And this, and and parallel to this, did you have a did you have a feeling that you should be back in the theater, or or that you should be? How did you start doing the voiceover work again? Right. So yeah. So I, you know, flashback. So I left um, York at the end of my third year, and I, 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 I hung up. I did not act for 10 years. Right. And I came back to Toronto, blah, blah, blah. And I was actually teaching at AYCT at, for uh, David Robson. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching a private client that he had arranged for me to teach, this guy, James. Mm-hmm. And James was a banker. Like he was a let's stock market oh, guy. Stock and broker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he couldn't, he, he just was, he was an insomniac. He never slept. So I would kind of, you know, beat the crap out of him with like half primary, go really fast and very aggressively with him. He was a hockey player. So he was an athlete right? for the first kind of 40 minutes. And then for 20 minutes, I would get him to lie down and do yoga nidra. Right? Mm-hmm. And he would fall asleep, which you're, normally as a teacher, you don't want your students to fall asleep. With him, my intention was to get him to fall asleep. Right. <laughs> and <Wow>. strategy. <laughs> by the end of the 10 classes, he was like, this is going to sound creepy, but I've already asked my wife and it's okay. Can you record yourself doing yoga nidra? Oh. So cool. that I can fall asleep at night. Yeah. Hello? That's amazing. Okay. Uh, do I do this? And the person that I was with at the time worked in film. Okay. And was like, well, I'll get you a microphone and I will teach you how to use it. So... I got my first microphone that I still have. And um, you sound and amazing, I recorded this, by the way. Just, this, I haven't said that, that enough. That, that, that microphone did not sound like this microphone. <laughs> 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 but you know, it worked. Um, and I recorded it. And then I, for my birthday, I think she gave me a, a you know, go to a, a voice acting workshop. So I went to a voice acting workshop. And from that workshop, I met one of um, the people who is still one of my coaches today, Ellie Ray, um, who is a massive voice talent. Like she she voices for Pixar. She's one of the um, My Little Ponies. She's she's everywhere and everything. And she's she's also just an incredible human. Mm. And I got lucky and met her and connected with her. And then it just kind of spun from there. Wow, oh, that's fantastic! I actually, I asked, I asked you about it on an email, mm-hmm. maybe a year ago. You know, when I was, uh, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, I was kind of between jobs and trying to figure out what to do. And I thought maybe I should voice act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I asked you an email, and you just gave me very practical advice: go enroll in a course, and don't just think that you can do it, but go enroll in a course. And it was really great advice, and um, I, I, I appreciated that. Anytime. I'm always happy to help anybody who has questions or, or, you know, or is curious about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a skill and it's something that you need to learn how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, even though I was an actor my entire life, voice acting in itself is completely different because you don't get the luxury of someone seeing your face. Right. Mm -hmm. 
right? You have to, con- you have to convey all of it through your voice. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And it seems like it should be easy, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, yeah, totally. It's just talking in a microphone. Once day, and then you go to do it and you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, totally. I, yeah. I have to make a, or I make sometimes like these, the intros for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And like, I should really write out a script and yes. and like be a little bit more <laughs> thoughtful about what I'm saying. But yeah. I'm also you know, extremely um, busy. <laughs> so I kind of wing it. Yeah. And it's really hard, actually, because also sometimes it takes me like, you know, three or four times just to like, kind of do it and have it feel sort of like natural. That's why you need your clicker. Yeah, I yeah. need a clicker. Well, that's, I, I started volunteering at our local um, uh, student radio station. And that's the oh, first cool. thing they did is put us in courses where we would take classes and they would workshop on how to write a script. If you're going to do, if you're going to do 60 seconds or 30 seconds of radio, have mm-hmm. a fucking script. Oh yeah. And I need follow you, it. You should write my intros and then I can do them. Yeah. You'd like to get me more involved <laughs> in the production of the podcast. I know. It's, <laughs> Is is there listening to podcasts and you, you don't have to name names, you don't have to mention our names in particular. Are there things that you would you would do differently when you when you hear what you what you hear what's out there now? Like, you know, you're talking to a voice actor. So it's like we we spend all of our lives focusing on, on our making of perfecting the sound in our studios. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that for me can be challenging to listen to when the sound quality is not great. Mm -hmm. So even if you're, you know, if you have a walk-in closet or a closet that, you know, you could stick a desk, like a table, a stool, anything into, because clothing is a great absorber of sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, So that you're not getting the background noises or this just the... Oh, right. (laughs) Behind. Yeah. Um, that's behind, not just your heavy breathing. No, I'm talking about just like the room sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, Harmony has actually asked me to stop breathing. So have stop. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> um, so yeah, stuff like that. Just if you if you found a space that was not you, just in general. I, that's one yeah. of the things with podcasts that I find that unless it's someone who works in broadcast or is a voice actor doing a podcast it's there's just a lot of extraneous noise that doesn't necessarily need to be there yeah put the microphone into a space that was kind of you know a padded cell like i spend my life in yeah 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 no one of my coaches who was uh does a podcast as well she always suggests going into the closet into but you know it's hard because there's two of us and we share a mic we used to do it sitting in our bed because it's also nice. like really padded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, be- the bedroom was good. But uh, but we had Wi-Fi issues up yeah, there. Yeah, we had some Wi-Fi issues, yeah. so we had to <laughs> relocate. Well, I hope it sounds okay on your end. No, it does. Okay. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Good. <laughs> then I have to do the rest in the editing booth. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. RX Seven is your friend. <laughs> what is Isotope. that? Isotope. Isotope. Is that this a good is not sponsored software? by Isotope? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Isotope is a program that I use. It's um, something that a lot of people use. It's that, that you can kind of pass your sound through different filters. So it'll oh. take away, away background noise. It'll take away <sighs> mouth clicks. It'll take away plosives. So if you're too poppy on your P's and your B's and your T's, it'll reduce that. Oh, amazing. Um, nice. Oh, yeah, it's magic. 
It's magic. You're going to have to send me a link after this. For sure. <laughs> so what's, what are you up to now? What's, what's going on for you in life these days? Oh my God. Uh, life these days, I'm married. I've, yeah. I recently, a am... couple years ago, right? Three and a half. Oh my God. Three gosh. and a half. Oh, I guess that's right. You've been married longer than we have. <laughs> I don't know if you crazy. knew this, but Harmony and I got together. Shut up. Yeah. I, I know. I totally didn't right? see that at all on social media when you guys were posting pictures. Huh. You made an announcement. Oh my like, goodness. Hmm, something's and... happening. Man. Those are public. I, I didn't realize <laughs> social media. And oh, yeah. Your oh. wife also has a great voice as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, she is. Is she in the business? She is a an award-winning musician. Yeah. Um, she is an wow. extremely, extremely talented vocalist. And Are you married musician. to Sarah Ry Serena Ryder? No. I am not. <laughs> no, no. I am married to Elana Hart. Oh. Yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, she's, a, she's very, very talented. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super talented, super smart, very, very kind person. Mm -hmm. All around fabulous human. Now, I know that you're Canadian, but I, I still wonder, did you do you think that you faced any resistance in your family when, when you when you got married to <laughs> No. Uh none at all, actually. <laughs> to a point where when I when I had my first girlfriend coming back from Taiwan, I had my first girlfriend. That was your first was like, girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I was terrified to tell my family that I had a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So we were sitting at dinner and I was like sweating. And yeah. it's like, how old were you at that point when you got back from like Taiwan? 36. You were 36 and this is your first girlfriend. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. But did you know? I think I knew all the time, but I was such a black sheep for my whole life. Like, you know, I was an actor and I was a weirdo and I was always mm. by myself. And so it was like, I was kind of like, I can't have this other thing that right. makes me different. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, like, let's stick with the status quo. Yeah. And then. And then it was just like, what? You only live once. This is stupid. And <laughs> I came home and I was having dinner with my, my whole family was there. And I think I just was like, I, I have something to tell you guys. And they're like, okay. And I was like, I have a girlfriend. And my mother said, pass the salt. And I was like, hello, I have a girlfriend. And Lizzie was like, are you eating chicken? I was like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> and they were like, Lucy's like, you have been vegan for this many years and you're eating chicken. That is more shocking to me. Oh. It was, it was just... Why were you eating chicken, Emma? Oh, for, <laughs> fuck's, sake. Oh, for fuck's sake, Emma. That's, actually, I'm sorry. That was Scotland, not Ireland. It I was, totally it messed was. that up. Oh, no, no. It came out was so, so wrong. So it didn't phase them. They were just, they were, they were sort of like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was almost disappointed that there was less um There was pushback. no drama. <laughs> and then, I mean, there was a little bit then over the next kind of year or so where right. my mother, you know, was like, well, I'm, you know, are you still going through this phase? Um, right. And because I think it was also their own, everybody goes through their own process. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I met Alana and she invited my mother over to ask her permission to ask me. <sighs> Um, wow. to be married. Yeah. And so, you know, she got my mother drunk, as you do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, Aleta is 
as I said, like she's she's an awesome human, so she's easy to get along with. And my mother was already smitten with her. Like my mother was already like, she's the best person ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was out with my bestie Jason mm-hmm. and called Olana, like, okay, so what's happening? And she was like, Oh, your mom and I are just having a conversation. I was like, What what do you mean mm. my mother is at the house? That's what's sus. happening? I'm not I'm not good with not knowing things like I'm not good with if like, is there a secret? Like, are you are you withholding information? Right. Not not down with that. What's happening? What's happening? And then, of course, found out what had been happening. I was like, oh, 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 what? (laughs) That's so nice, though. It's great. I wanted to ask you a question about this because it's I feel like um so much of what we do in yoga is about exploding categories and transcending uh, our little notions into little objects and little and putting them in little rooms. And yet at the same time, there's a there seems to be a lot of of energy uh, towards, you know, self-identification and and, and having um, say, you know, having your own particular flag and your people and your tribe. Mm-hmm. I was and I was thinking about this. Recently, my my niece um, uh, identified uh, or let us know that she identified as queer, and um, she has a. I'm allowed to say that she has a girlfriend, but her girlfriend is non-binary, and so it's a they. So they, mm-hmm. um, they is girlfriend to my niece. Which I don't understand how to say that, but they're you know they're 15, and she it's exciting for them. And she sat me down and showed me her book of flags and there was a flag for queer and there was a flag for non-binary and a flag for all these different things. And I wanted to know, am I, am I just a middle-aged white man? I'm just a little confused (laughs) and I feel like it's generational and, or is, am I out, am I out of the loop? If I felt a little overwhelmed and I wanted to know what you felt as someone who's a contemporary in age to me, is this a fairly new thing to have to have so many different ways of, of self-identifying yourself? I think so. But at the same time, like I've it's in my own experience, me, Emma, I spent my whole life kind of trying to stuff myself into a box that I didn't belong in. Mm-hmm. And then when I accepted my sexuality and I accepted, um, you know, who I am as a person and that, that I keep continuing continually uh discover more about myself the more I, I allow myself to just be me and especially with acting i've come back to my first love um that and i i think i spent so long trying to shove myself into the, the you know like square peg round hole and <laughs> i find these communities and travel the world and where do i belong where do i belong where do i belong where do i belong what 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 label am i supposed to have that i finally got to a place where i was like i don't need a label mm-hmm like at all. I don't need a label. I don't need to identify as a lesbian. I don't need to identify as that's that this is for me. Like Mm -hmm. it's just for me. It's it's yet again, just another box. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to live in a box. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that um, because I went through it my whole life trying trying to figure out where do I belong so that when I found all these like the yoga community and the voiceover community and the, you know, the the Mysore community within Toronto or around the world. Like, <laughs> do I belong here? Do I belong here? Do I belong here? And it's, there's, there's so many different pockets of 
people and activities and and belief systems that that resonate with me and they but that then there's part of them that don't resonate with me. So I'm mm-hmm. like I kind of take what works for me mm-hmm. and that's where I live. But there's no label on it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. There's 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 one way in which you can say, you know, oh these are my people and I identify with this and this is where I belong, but there's also the sense that we're all alone in in Kaivala and seeking unification. But we're all together too. I think that's all... the thing is is mm-hmm. like why can't everyone be our people because people are just people and right. you know I feel I don't know. I, I always I'm always curious because I feel like there's a lot of labeling that goes on, especially um you brought my attention to it from an American perspective, Russell, Mm. that everyone's really like identified with their group and their tribe and their people. And I don't know, maybe it's ethnicity. Yeah. Their ethnicity. Like being Scotch Irish. Exactly. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's a Canadian thing or something, but it's it's not as strong here. Yeah. I feel I didn't really grow up looking at the world that way. Um, Yeah. And then, and then I was like, well, maybe I just, was blind to like all of these biases and all of these, you know, things that I wasn't aware of. But, but also I was like, I really just don't think that people emphasize these things here in our country so much, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's good, it's good to be aware of your biases, of course. And it's good to like, understand that other people might identify differently or have, you know, have a strong association with a particular label, but I, I, I also that, feel like, you know, we can all just kind of love each other as human beings, even if yeah. someone's a Republican, you know. Uh, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just slow down. Okay. <laughs> That's a horse of another different color. Um, no, it's just it, it's that it's just, you know, let people be people. Let let let's just be who we are and allow people to evolve and change as we do every day like Mm -hmm. let's not get stuck in you must do this thing or you must be this thing or you must identify or like if you say that you're this then you have to abide by these rules like ah, come on Mm -hmm. yeah 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 we all just love each other come Mm -hmm. on it's super interesting i i i remember growing up being a very insecure child with with no place and being so very attached to ethnicity and it's like, okay, I'm Swedish and I'm Jewish and I'm Irish. And these, these relatives came from there and these relatives came from there. And like, that's okay. Now I have a place in my identity and now I know who I am um, being so insecure. And thinking about that, um, see, say extending it to, you know, white people at large in the United States is being incredibly insecure about their place of privilege and very much wanting a um, uh, a flag to say this is why I own this place. This is why you know because we we go back you know to the Mayflower. You know we go you know our people go back to England. Our people go back to this this clan in Scotland, and that that's a way for us to identify ourselves. And so much of it seems to be about a sense of superiority you know, and trying to maintain superiority, which is at its heart, it's deeply insecure 
yeah. position, which is not loving and full and, and, and extending arms towards your neighbors. It's like, no, we're on, we're on this side of the fence. We're, we're the, um, the Andersons, uh, of, uh, of Andersonville in Chicago. That's who we are. Uh, but I, I'm curious if, if, if this, if the interest in having a flag for your gender or sexuality is also a kind of insecurity or is it, or it can, can it be really helpful as a kind of self-defense? I, I think the answer to would be yes. You know, like, yes, it could be, but, but yes, it's, it's because I think it is really helpful, especially, um, you know, your niece is 15, like she's young yeah. and to be able to feel like, ah, oh, yes, I've been, I've been confused or I've been denying or I've been afraid. Um, and to feel like now I can, I, I can, I, I can hold this, this flag up and say, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. It, I'm sure it feels quite liberating. Yeah. You know, and I think that when I first did come out of the closet, um, I was, you know, I am I am this and I am this and I am this. And for, you know, when we first moved to Canada, when I was a kid, I was like, I was fiercely Irish. Like I was not Canadian. Like we and we were not Canadians. Like we were not legally Canadians for until I was in university mm-hmm. um, wow. because they first allowed um, the Irish to keep our citizenship. Mm-hmm. And become Canadian. So you could have dual citizenship. Up until that point, you had to renounce your Irish citizenship to become Canadian. And my mother was like, absolutely not. We right. will not do that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, being a yogi who happens to, you know, be a gypsy and travel, it comes in super handy to have <laughs> two passports. <laughs> no um, kidding. Especially that European passport. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, right? Yeah. So, but I think that, yeah, I think that it can be a, like, it can be a, something that's hiding an insecurity to feel the need to belong to something and at the same time it can also be something that's quite liberating and and freeing to Mm -hmm. feel like i finally found my place even Mm -hmm. if it's just for a moment Mm -hmm. you know like my first trip to mysore i felt i felt like i finally found my place yeah Yeah. you know my first voiceover conference it was like ah these are my people this is amazing these are my people Mm yeah you know but it changes yeah, it's interesting. It, just listening to everything that you said, it reminds me of, you know, in Buddhism, the the triple gems like the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and and taking refuge in them, right? Refuge in in the Buddha, not necessarily as a, um, you know, human, but as in enlightenment, in the in Buddha consciousness, uh, the Dharma, the teachings, the way, the you know, the um, Dao in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Sangha, the community. And there is sort of a, a feeling of a safe, like feeling safe, feeling yeah. accepted, feeling like you can relax and surrender into this, um, you know, into these, these principles or into these concepts or into this community, into this place. And when you are able to surrender and able to relax and able to like, just feel like that, ah, I'm home or, Mm -hmm. ah, I trust this, then you can actually have a spiritual experience. But without that, if you're always feeling like you're, you have to be on guard or on the defensive or fight for your place in the world, or you, it's only you and you have nothing to uh, take refuge in, in a sense, then 
then it it's very difficult to have a deep spiritual experience because you're you're constantly at, at, at you know experiencing dis-ease instead of ease and I think that's a, you just summed it up really beautifully you know that ability to not an ability but the experience of of coming home you know and feeling like ah I'm home and that yeah. I mean that can happen anywhere for sure and with all kinds of people and in all kinds of places and all kinds of things mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to know if if uh if we could um for our listeners if we could direct them to you know where they could make use of your services i know there's some people out there who are probably shooting a commercial uh soon uh other people <laughs> might be wanting to uh get a mala made for themselves or uh, highly recommended. Or, I have two of them or, and a bunch of bracelets. Or study yoga. How could <laughs> study yoga with you? How could people find you, Emma? Uh, on the interwebs. The interwebs. <laughs> the easiest place for, for voiceover. It's Emma O'Neill, V-O, voiceover. Mm-hmm. O'Neill is spelt with two L's, O-N-E-I-L-L. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga is Mysore Toronto or Yoga by Emma. And... Malas is Malas by Emma. I was going to do Voices by Emma, but then I was like, okay, stop it with the by Emma thing. <laughs> Let's just calm down. Um, I believe I like you can actually. If you put in Voices by Emma, it does actually direct you to Ammonia. Yeah, Viola. I think that's um, cool. <laughs> so. Am I right that I, I feel like I heard you on, on TV at one point, like I was watching the, N- the NBA game and on Canada television. And commercial? Like, commercial. And I was like, I think that was Emma. I've heard Emma on the radio. I think that was Emma. Is yeah. are, is there a way, is there something that we can look for? Like, um, are you... Do you get like clips of them and you get to put them on your website? Sometimes. So on my website, I have some of the stuff that I've done. I'm, I'm the voice of UNHCR. So for the UN... Uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton there. Foundation? H... <laughs> it's the humanitarian charity. Oh, thank um, you. There you go. And so I voice their commercials. I voice for Haven Toronto. Uh, PSAs is kind of my, um, the, the, the genre that I do the most work in. And it's usually, you know, if it's a, a cause that requires donations, mm-hmm. then um, my voice is well suited to that. So Haven Toronto is another organization that I voice for that's for um, homeless elder men. Mm. So I do their radio commercials. Um, I voice for World Animal Protection Canada. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that you can find. And sometimes I, I get clips. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that I've just done for um, a production company in Las Vegas that I have not been able to get access to. But when I do, I'll let you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, PSAs in general, I do a lot of commercial work. So you will hear me often on uh, Canadian national TV and radio. And the one that you're talking about, Russell, was probably for Freestyle Libre, I think, that was played. Um, it was a, It's a diabetes uh, oh, okay. app. Yeah, yeah. And that Fantastic. was played during the, the Oscars and uh, NBA stuff like that. It was kind of one of those, oh, wow. I didn't expect it to be played <laughs> On on that, yeah, kind of like, and, I didn't expect to make it to the Oscars, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you, right? you won a you won like a fabulous award for that work, didn't you? Like, didn't you have a, a sculpture now or a statue? I, I, I have some shrapnel in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one was for Mercedes Benz, so I yeah. voiced a spot for Mercedes Benz Europe that um, 
I was lucky enough to win a Telly Award for, nice. and um, I've been awarded a Sovis of Voice Arts Award for in-show narration. So it's, you know, like the the voice of the television show that's telling the story. Oh, right. oh like a narrator. Yeah. And then this year I'm, <laughs> I'm up for uh, a few more <laughs> nominations that I've gone through. So. Oh, that's so oh, awesome. That's fantastic. That's yeah. just really fantastic. And, Thank well, you. Yeah, that's that's so much better than a certification. I didn't get any trophy or anything. You got yeah, a sheet it, of paper, it, but it was framed and everything we, from you the paid government for the frame. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. No, it was laminated. Oh, <laughs> it was laminated. It wasn't framed at all. I it was framed. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Like like Mark like Mark like David Swenson's came in a nice beautiful folder. That was lovely. You didn't get a folder? That's not nice. <laughs> um, All right. I know you have to record like nine more PSAs tonight. So I just, I want to thank PSAs you. PSAs actually as promos, but yes. Thank you for coming on the show with us and telling us your story. It's fascinating. My pleasure. And I'd like to get more into the piercings next time. I have this, <laughs> this image of you with Rosanna Arquette and Pulp Fiction and hanging out with like your lip rings. And I'm just like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> next time we'll talk okay. about it next time okay. Okay. all the different parts you've pierced oh god that's not the not <laughs> not the lips i was referring to thank you very much honey okay we love you different podcast <laughs> yeah that one will have to come with an extra extra x rating <laughs> exactly <laughs> we love you so much thank you so much for coming on the show love you too it was been such a pleasure it's been so great to just to catch up yeah. in general Absolutely. so yes. let's let's russell let's you know try to you know connect I'd, sooner. i i would love to come out to toronto and see you. that'd be amazing yes <laughs> yes 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 both of you come that would be okay. fun yes please thanks for listening to this episode of finding harmony with me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking